Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my very good friend, Father Richard Heilman. And tonight we've got Father Jim Blunt with us again, just, just a few weeks after the last time. We just can't get enough of him. And so we thank God that he's willing to be with us. But before we get into an amazing conversation, uh, we want to begin everything with prayer. Father Heilman? Yes. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruinous souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Father. And of course, we always want to start off by thanking everybody out there who supports the U.S. Grace First podcast in the many different ways that you do. We're very thankful your prayers, especially so many just great comments that we hear from people that you're keeping us in your prayers, in your holy hours, in your rosaries, your mass intentions. That means everything to us. That's the most powerful way to support anything that any of us do in this world is through our prayers. But we also thank those of you who spread the word, you subscribe, you share these videos with others. A really important way to also help out, just get the message out to as many people as possible. And for those of you who support us financially through the Patreon program, we are so thankful for that as well, because it's that natural piece of the puzzle that we all just have to deal with. We have to live in this world. And so your support through Patreon, which you can click the link in the description below if you're interested in helping us out with that, is a tremendous way to help us continue to function and get this message out. And the message tonight, as you can tell by the title, is pretty serious. And this is something I know Father Heilman's been on your heart. We've talked a lot about this off and on. And we talked about it earlier today before we recorded this and thought, let's get Father Jim on if he'll come on last minute. And he were very kind to do that. So Father Heilman, uh, what, kind of where your heart is on this and why we decided to go with this topic tonight. Yeah, Father, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Uh, Doug and I both went. We got to get see if Father Jim's available uh, to talk about this, but uh, I think all of all three of us, and we were talking before we started um, video recording, but uh, anyways, uh, that something's, you know, imminent, uh, something is ominous is, is on the horizon. And, and uh, I, I've had that feeling, uh, what I shared and you know, here we are in the month of Mary. Uh, and also, um, I, I like that Fatima, the uh, Feast of Our Lady of Fatima hit on the weekend of Mother's Day. That was kind of cool. But we have uh, Pentecost coming up in a few days, and many people, as uh, this will, will go out, uh, are in the middle of the Pentecost Novena, the most ancient of all novenas. I've been feeling like this particular Pentecost is important. And what substantiated that, and Father, I can get your feedback on this, but um, uh, I was drawn to an article by Father Regis Scanlon, uh, God rest his soul, but he wrote this, um, well, he actually wrote this back in 2019, but he wrote it a, a few days or a few weeks before uh, October 13th, 2019. Now, why am I pointing to that date? Well, when we look at the whole story, and many of our listeners will will uh, remember that Pope Leo Thirteenth had a locution after Mass, and uh, it, long story short, uh, he heard that Satan could destroy the church, and he told and and God let him know you can't completely destroy the church, but uh, but for whatever reason, for God's reason, he gave Satan a hundred years. Now, many are in the school of thought. Father Regis Scanlon is. I am. I think we all are here. That the ticking clock on that started exactly thirty three years later. So that was October thirteenth, eighteen eighty four. And 33 years later would be October 13th, 1917 in the Miracle of the Sun, okay? So we got October 13th going on, right? Um, then, uh, and Our Lady's warning, right, uh, that that we, we need to repent, we need to pray the rosary, uh, that if we don't reform our ways, that, uh, you know, a, a chastisement could come. And, well, we haven't been, okay? And... So Satan, and, and this is kind of a, um, a a enlightenment that I had, a new look at, at, at that whole thing with Pope Leo XIII, is I always thought talked uh, I always thought in terms of he can destroy the culture, the world. No, he said the church specifically, okay? 
And, uh, and, and so what's gone on in the last hundred years uh, in the church uh, that has allowed the advance of Satan? And you, you can really point to 1960s uh, where, and I'm in the school of thought, where we began to, and that was when they dropped the, the, uh, having the St. Michael prayer at the end of Mass, by the way, in 1965, but also just this, uh, the separation of church from, from the state, they removed the uh, prayer from the classrooms, uh, the sexual revolution exploded during that time, uh, uh, that was um, uh, uh, the uh, pill, contraception, came on right at that time as well. I think that was 1965 too. Shortly after that, in 1973, would, would they legalize abortion, make it a right to kill a baby, uh, all of this. And it was in 1973 that on October 13th, Sister Agnes Sisigao received yet another message from Our Lady, basically saying, okay, I can see you're not going in the direction you know, that, that we need to go. You're going in the complete opposite direction with all this. Um and, and I'll give you one more, October 13th. So that leads up to October 13, 2019. Well, why that date? Because it was 100 years. Now, I always went 1917 to 2017, but no, 2017 would be the anniversary of the year, but you have to complete the year. So it's actually uh, 2018 to complete the 100 years. And Father Regis Scanlon pointed out, though, that we had a Jubilee Year of Mercy in uh, 2015 to 2016, from the Feast of the Immaculate Conception and the Feast of Christ the King, and uh, and, and he was saying that was a, like a pause. So now you're at 101 years to 2019. Well, what's interesting there, and I'm going to get your opinion here, Father, is that uh, right at that time, uh, there was a few things that went on. First of all, we looked on and we saw that a Pachamama idol was brought into the Vatican Gardens and actually into St. Peter's Basilica. Uh, but at the same time, reports are, and it's on or around that time, that that's when the virus leaked from the lab was was on that time. And it was on that time. It was October 6th, the week before October 13th, that Our Lady sent an angel to Sister Agnes Sisagawa. First time she received a message since 1973 that simply said this, put on ashes, pray a repentant rosary. Okay. And that, that all happened in and around that October 13, 2019 time, which would mean Satan had spent a year attempting to destroy, as he said, the church. Well, also within weeks of that came the report from the Pew Research that said there's only 70% of Catholics hmm. think that's a symbol on the altar. It's not Jesus. That's where we are. And all of this evil is being rushed, uh, poured in now in our times, especially while the spiritual leaders are mostly silent. So we're weak, and 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 Satan seems. And this is what I said. I I, I saw this whole the 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 rulers of the world using this virus to to uh, to get us to quake in fear and to to comply with them. Uh, and also the the George Floyd riots that boarded up all the streets, uh, all the shops, and the streets were on fire uh, to get us to just quake in fear and to comply to the rulers of the world. We just heard from Jesus in one of the Gospels recently that talked about the ruler of the world is coming, but then he follows up with, "But the power of God is greater than the rule of the world." But Father, and can I get your opinion on this? I think the primary way in which Satan has done deep, deep destruction in the church in the last hundred years is to get us to abandon the supernatural power of God, uh, mysticism, uh, uh, grace. Uh, it's it's so. Father, can can you comment on that? Well, what I'm thinking of is Venerable Bishop Fulton J. Sheen. I just had the privilege to give um, a Flame of Love uh, conference here at Our Lady of America in Indiana. And I was preaching for the AMBO where Bishop Sheen used to preach from. Wow. What a great honor that was. Like, that's wow. like one giant relic. Yeah. And we had a wonderful uh, conference for, for the priest on Thursday and for young adults on Friday and for the, all the old fogies on Saturday. 
And it was really beautiful to be there with Our Lady of America. And bring me back memories of Bishop Sheen, who we used to watch when I was a little boy with my dad and mom. Me too. And he's a great man. And, and we, we wait for the day when he'll be canonized. Please, God. Yeah. Such an example for the clergy in particular. But I'll never forget Bishop Sheen saying this. He said it on more than one occasion. That the Holy Catholic Church and the Lord Jesus Christ, he founded this church. And the church will not, it will not disappear. It will appear to die. Yes, we will rise again in the greatest splendor in the history of the world. And I believe we will see this rising again. But Bishop Sheen did say that this one true church, like Jesus, its founder, has three special, you might say, characteristics that are divine. They must be in the church and they are in the church. And one of them is the presence of miracles. And Bishop yes. Sheen said that Jesus himself was a miracle worker. We know Our Lady is. And the Catholic Church is a miracle worker. For example, in our conference for the young adults on Friday night, um, I had with me, always bring certain relics with me. So I had the relic of the true cross that I keep with me. It's very nice. powerful in exorcisms, but it's also a great instrument of healing. I've touched blind men with this cross, and they, they were given back their sight. That happened just recently. Nice. So, yes, miracles upon, I see miracles every single day. I just got a report today of a miracle that occurred over the weekend. It's the Lord who does these miracles. And we pray that to be open to be in conduits or instruments of believe. Yep. Yes. You know, Bishop Shane, the Lord worked many miracles through that good man of all different types. Mm -hmm. So the presence of miracles, just Friday night, was a, a young man at our conference, and he's had a pain in his left shoulder every day, an agonizing pain for 10 years. He actually looked like he was in pain during the conference. And he came up for the healing service at the end of the conference. And I loaned my cross. I had two priests assisting me. And one of the fathers touched his cross to the young man's left shoulder. And from that moment, the pain disappeared and has not come back. Praise God. Completely healed. And he began weeping, I understand. Afterwards, he, his mother came. He embraced his mother and said to his mother, he was crying out loud, Mom, it's all real. Mom, it's all real. Mom, the Catholic faith, it's all real, he yes. said. Now, you know, this is important for the church today. We've lost this, but the church, if it's not mystical, it's not the true church. Right. Mm -hmm. Jesus was the greatest mystic of them all, was the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. He said, the Father and I are one. And this power of the Lord of, of mysticism and miracles needs to be reigning in the church. The church is nothing if it's not supernatural. That's the whole point of the church, is that we're something above the world, something right. leading the world to heaven. We have to be supernatural. And so miracles have to be there. And Bishop Sheen said this is a sign, a mark of the true church, is the miraculous. He also mentioned, by the way, Bishop Sheen, that prophecy is a second characteristic of the one true church. Of course, we see that at Fatima and at Akita. And we see it at Akito, Ecuador. We see it in many places that prophecy, authentic prophecy, is a sign of the true church. Only God knows the future. And God can speak that and will speak that through the church. And again, this is all supernatural. And it's almost like the church has been neutered in our time. Yes. And now it's like almost like, almost like shame on you, Father, to talk about the miraculous. Right. It's like it's almost like a sin if the priest or the bishop talks about the miraculous or the supernatural or the prophetic. Right. And yet, only the church has this gift. The church must use this gift. And in fact, God would not give the gift if it wasn't necessary. And so we've lost all of that. We've become a church that's sort of horizontal instead of vertical. We're right. earthbound. But how can the church be earthbound and still be the church? Right. The church is meant to bring us all the way to heaven. Like John Vianney told the young man who showed him the way to his new parish, young man, you show me the way to the parish church and I'll show you the way to heaven. That's what John Vianney said. Right. So the church shows us the way to heaven, not just by her words, God save us, but by her deeds. Right. Jesus was a man amazing in word and deed. And the Bible says that Jesus is the wisdom and the power of God, yes. not just the wisdom. Right. We're not eggheads. We have to have perfect wisdom, but matched with perfect power. God is alive and the church must be alive. 
And so I think one of the uh, tactics of Satan is to make it like almost embarrassing to be Catholic and almost embarrassing to be supernatural. The devil knows what he's doing because supernatural should be coursing through our veins, especially in the priests and the bishops. And so I agree with you wholeheartedly, Padre, that as we pray for the restoration of the church, yes. when the church, when she rises again, she will be more mystical and more miraculous yes. than ever before. Yep. And we should begin praying for those miracles right now. Yep. Yeah, and Father, Father Jim, you, you have been, I mean, obviously your line of work, you, you're giving conferences. And, and at the time we record this, I know you're, you're out in Indiana and you've been giving some amazing, amazing conferences there. You're seeing, and we talked about this before, um, and I know all three of us mentioned this, and Father Heilman, you just said this, that there's a sense of something that's imminent. Um, you know, I've referred to this in the past as a supernatural gut feeling that a lot of people are getting, but all three of us were admitting that, and the way I described it was not anxious is the feeling, but more of an urgent sense there, there's, there's, there's a, there's a piece to it in that it feels like God is going to do something. Expectation. Expectation. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would say like, a, like, a, like, a, like an urgent, hopeful anticipation or expectation that something is going to happen. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, you said, but it's not going to be easy, or it's not going to be necessarily good. Meaning. It'll be good in the in the end because God is doing something to move people back to this supernatural direction that you and Father were just speaking of. But can you speak a bit about because we were as Father Hammond said we had the best podcast before we start recording the yeah, podcast. We, do, yeah. we went on for over a half hour, I think, on this, um, and this was one of the points we addressed. But can you speak to the sense that? People are getting, and and then we'll talk a little bit, maybe a little more later about, you know, um, a couple of things you and I shared about what we, we've seen, if we want to get into that. But what about that, that kind of sense, that something, that imminent expectation that's kind of heavy and ominous, but not anxious? Can you speak to that, please? Well, for one thing, I, I belong to a Catholic homeschooling community in, in Georgia, out in a wooded area. Mm -hmm. And I have two brother priests with me, by the way, from two other orders. And all of us in this community, the priests and the laymen and the laywomen, we all seem to have the same um, anointing, the same um, anticipation. We've been slowly getting ready for, for years now for what's about to happen in many different ways, both physically and materially. And we've planted like St. Benedict medals all around the property, 2,500 medals around the property itself, and 250 around my own chapel. We've been getting ready for many years with food supplies and with solar panels and with, with wells and with animals we can grow, all of this. The most important thing, though, is the spiritual preparation. We've been getting ready slowly and gently with like thousands of rosaries. Not, uh, not afraid, not fearful, just we can see and anticipate. We see what the saints have written. It's very, very clear. And what the prophets are saying even today. And there are certain wonderful prophets who we can really put our trust in, including like St. Faustina and Venerable Mariana Torres from Quito, Ecuador. So there are many in the, the prophecies of Fatima. There are things coming down, but we've all been feeling getting closer and closer now for years. And then the last couple of years, it's getting stronger, like every month a little bit stronger. This year, almost every week, we have this pressing feeling. It's not fear. It's not anxiety. It's like we've been getting ready for this slowly, carefully, and immersed and soaked in prayer. All of us go to Mass every day. We pray rosaries every day. We make adoration every day. We even have an all-night adoration chapel on our property that people go to all night long. We've been getting ready slowly and patiently. We feel it's coming stronger and stronger now, like something's about to happen. Father, I'm sorry, can I, forgive me for interrupting, but I, you said something that I, I just want to make a relation to. You know, in, in 1944, before the, the invasion of Normandy, those men, you know, 13,000 paratroopers, this was the U.S. only, 13,000 paratroopers were dropped behind the lines and, and they landed about 125,000 men on the beach in about 24 hours. The preparation for Operation Overlord, which was the Allies hitting the beaches of Normandy in order to push fascism and Nazism back out of Europe, 
they planned this for a couple of years at least, and they trained and trained and trained. And, and a lot of those soldiers, when you see in documentaries, they talk about it, they'll say, we knew it was coming. We knew it had to happen. We were ready to go. There was, there was a bit of nervousness amongst many, sure, but they were so well-trained, they, they knew what to rely on. And that's very much like what it sounds like you just described. And I, that's kind of the sense I get is if the training is there, spiritual, and you mentioned the natural, which is interesting because, you know, we, BRC, and, and Father and I, Father's our unofficial BRC chaplain, but BRC and Grace Force is about the spiritual and the physical, and we have an actual course that encourages people to, to get physically prepared, like you mentioned, solar panels and water and food, because that's a natural component of who we are, and we have to have some preparation for that. And that flows from the deep spiritual preparation because then you put it in the right perspective and it doesn't become fear-driven. It becomes necessity because it's like a corporate work of mercy. But does that make sense to use that analogy of soldiers that were trained to storm beaches, that they were, they were ready for it, they trained every day for it, they knew it was coming. So it really lessens the anxiety and makes it more of a we know this is unfolding and we're on a mission that, that God has put us on. And we have to play our part in this. Does that feel accurate? Say, sound accurate? Yeah, it not only feels accurate, but it's, it's actually tying into Catholic dogma. And what is that? We seem to have forgotten that we belong to the church militant. Mm. We belong to the church yeah. militant. Now, you would never know that in most dioceses. It's like we are the maybe the church country club, but we're not the church country club. The well, we saw an effort recently to stop the militaristic language, right? The yeah. Atlantic article that came out. and uh, But go ahead, Father. So that's okay, Father. Uh, so it's like we're actually beginning to legislate, you might say, against sacred scripture. Mm -hmm. That's what frightens me a little bit is I see us not only departing from Catholic doctrine and dogma, but we're definitely departing from the sacred scriptures themselves. That we, we are uh, in a battle, a spiritual war. It's like the under, underlying reality is that God loves man and died for man. And Satan despises God and he despises his image and likeness and man. And there is a conflict going on. It's huge and it's bloody. And we're like, we're trying to back away from all of this. But this is the fundamental, you, you might say, um, paradigm of what's going on right now. It is a battle. And we're fighting against evil spirits, principalities, and powers in high places. And yet just saying this word from the infallible word of God, I can hear uh, certain um, Catholics laughing, and even priests laughing at the word of God. Hmm. But this is the, the foundation of everything. Hmm. There is a battle going on between the children of light and the children of darkness, and it appears to be coming to a head. And that's why St. Pope John Paul said that, Mankind is now experiencing the greatest battle in human history between light and darkness. He said that twice. Mm. And he also said that now is the test, the one test of 2,000 years of Catholicism and Christian culture will now be put to the ultimate test. What is he talking about? We've been putting to the test right now whether we will survive or not. And so... I, I'm afraid for the church because we become too gentle, so to speak. And we have to be gentle at all times, but like a cuddling church. Mm -hmm. And they say, say, sing Kumbaya. That's a pretty nice song, by the way. But just all sweet and tenderness with, with no understanding of reality. That there is a battle to be fought. It's being fought now so severely that not only are we murdering our unborn children at record numbers, now we are mutilating the bodies of eight-year-old children in our country and proclaiming it like virtuous. We're mutilating the bodies of our children. So the battle is, is coming out front. It's becoming visible now. And God only knows what awaits us in the near future. Father, I, I was inspired to yeah. search for one of my favorite quotes from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And let me just take a moment to read this. Uh, this is from the Catechism. This dramatic situation of the whole world, which is in the power of the evil one, makes man's life a battle. The whole of man's history has been the story of dour combat with the powers of evil, stretching, so our Lord tells us, 
from the very dawn of history until the last day. Finding himself in the midst of the battlefield, man has to struggle to do what is right, and it is at great cost to himself and aided by God's grace that he succeeds in achieving in his own inner integrity. You know, who are we? Are we chimpanzees or are we children of God created by the hand of God? And we have been set in this time. This is, this is our day. This is our fight. And I will not back down using the same kind of language that St. Paul, that many of the great saints have used, and the Catechism of the Catholic Church and the Holy Bible uses that calls us to stand up and fight. Father, I think part of the reason we're losing this war, why Satan has had such utter destruction over these hundred years, is because we, I, I can't say it in any better way, we chose a feminacy mm. over the church militant. And it, it's it, we we set down we 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 took down our 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 battle armor the grace of God we set down our weapons the 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 sacraments the the devotions the sacramentals and we are naked on the battlefield and in many cases we are appeasing we are playing we 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 are doing the bidding of the enemy. And unfortunately, many from our side have gone and joined ranks with the, the enemy. The world, the rulers of the world, as Jesus said at the Last Supper, the ruler of the world is coming, but God's power is greater than that. And Father, so I believe, and I think you do too, we talked about this beforehand, but unless and until we recover a belief in the power of God, I always tell people, Miracles are available to anybody, okay? I've, I've seen many miracles myself. I'm no Padre Pio. I'm just a believing Catholic is all I am. They're available to anybody. And I always tell people, do this, what Jesus showed us. They called out to him, the lepers, the blind, can you heal us? Do you believe I can do this? Yes, Lord. And then he did it, and it was because of your faith that you were healed. We need to recover that belief in the power of God. Father? Well, I think, Padre, this is very interesting, but you touched on something um, so profound. And it's, it's both ecclesial and cultural. And that is this, that it's become a mortal sin to be masculine. Yes. We're not, you know what I mean? We're not going to be men anymore. Right. And when that invades the church and the sacred priesthood, we are doomed. Uh, God loves men and he loves women and they're both good. Yep. Let men be real men, let women be real women and let children be innocent children. Yep. But we need both. We need all three. We need men, women and children. And, and the devil the devil and his uh his minions, his his useful idiots use narratives. Hmm. Well, that's toxic masculinity, right? Where's our narratives? Where, where's where's our spiritual leaders leader, leaders giving a narrative like you just gave father it's beautiful but i'm sorry to interrupt but you go ahead no that's that's very good and not offended at all but um i would say that if i was say to not be doing the same thing i would make normal natural uh, leadership type masculinity i would label it as toxic so that even in the church we reject what is normal right. and natural why? Because men have been granted a special grace of authority, both in the church and in the family. That's not bad. That doesn't mean men are better than women. Women have their role to play, and men have their role to play. And we need to let men be men and women be women. John Paul perhaps said it best. He said that we suffer, he said, from an incorrect philosophical anthropology. Because philosophical terms, yes, but we have been devastated with, with unclear thinking so that women have to compete with men and be like men in order to be valuable. This is also satanic. So we have a trouble here, not just in the church, but in the culture, that manhood and fatherhood is good. And a man, and by the way, a priest, a man should be willing to die for his family and a priest should be willing to die for his parish. 
This is the measure of masculinity, of manhood, that let every husband be willing to lay down his life for his wife and his children. And let every priest be willing to lay down his life for his parish, for his diocese. Yes. And so, so manhood is something beautiful. And this, I have five sisters. I have five beautiful sisters, blood sisters. I've learned this from my sisters and from my mom and from my grandmothers. A real woman wants a real man. Mm. A real woman desires a real man. God save us from the culture of wimpiness and wussiness. Men should be men and strong and willing to defend their wives. And a woman who is well-rounded and natural and happy, she doesn't want a wimp. She wants a man who's willing to die for her and a man who can, can provide for her, her children. The church should be the same way. Parishioners should not want a wimpy, wussy priest. They should right. want priest who's courageous enough to speak to truth who will sacrifice himself for them staying up all night long if he can stay up all night long yes. the parishioners so the problem is so deep it even goes beyond you might say the church into the culture and it's killing the church though because i never forget my grandmother saying this to me many years ago at first she just threw me for a loop i was just a kid what did she mean? But she said to me, Jimmy, she says, I like brother so-and-so and father so-and-so. And I said, why, Grandma? She says, because they are real men. Yep. They are real men. My, my grandma, she blew my mind when she said that. Right. She told me the realest men she knew were all priests. Right. <laughs> my goodness, we got to get back to that. But yeah. it's good to be a man and it's good to be a priest. And I say to the woman, it's good to be a woman. Let's not compete with, with one another. Let's complement one another. The church needs both. We need. We have the Marian dimension, but we're completely use, uh, losing the Petrine dimension, you might say, that, that fatherly dimension. The family cannot be the family, and the church cannot be the church if there are no men. And so that's I, what feel, I feel, Father, what you're touching on, too, is the need for... Uh, especially spiritual leaders, the fathers of of the spiritual communities, uh, to be real men, to be fathers, to be actual fathers. I always say God's a perfect dad, so he's not going to spoil his children. He's not going to let them treat them like a candy machine and, and give them anything they want. A lot of times, I tell people, "You want you you want to you want something from God? You're calling out to him. Add penance to it. Add mortification to it. You, so because God's up there going, okay." I, I I'm sort of hearing you now. Let me, because he's a he's a perfect dad, you know, and that's what dads do. What is he getting us to do? He's getting us to strive. He's getting us not to just you know lay around and play video games and get whatever we want. Okay, he's he's getting us to strive to be the best version of ourselves we can possibly be. And uh, the thing I wanted to point out too, to build on this too, is that just as Our Lady was appearing in Fatima, Benedict the Fifteenth, Pope Benedict the Fifteenth had a sense that there was an urgent need for the priests to become the men that you're talking about, right? And so he made an appeal in an encyclical he wrote at that time uh, called On Preaching the Word, but the essence of what, he, what that encyclical was about was be courageous. Don't be afraid that you're going to offend anybody. Here's, here's a direct quote from the encyclical. He said, therefore it's clear how unworthy of commendation are those preachers who are afraid to touch upon certain points of Christian dogma, lest they should give their hearers offense. Okay. In other words, don't be a scaredy cat. Okay. And that's what he saw it coming. That's right at the beginning of the 400 years. He saw the problem. So we talked first about transcendence. Now we're talking about truth. You know, we, we, we lost a sense of the supernatural, but we lost our guts, okay? And th these evils are coming at us, and our leaders are saying nothing, and the lay people are saying, okay, if you don't think it's a problem, nor do I, let's let's make this the new normal, okay? So what's your pronoun, right? You know, and I, I just, I'm so tired of it, but we need a power. That's going to come from the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what but put courage in the bones of the first bishops as they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And then they went out and they pe preached the truth to a world that hated the truth. Right. And, and they, they almost all of them were killed. Uh, but we have to be willing to do that. That's what love is, right? Love is a willingness to put everybody ahead of yourself. And even if I have to die, like, 
the military men and women we've, we've known through the years. I will storm that beach. I think you, you pointed out D-Day, Doug. Mm-hmm. Almost every man that were on those boats heading to that, the, those beaches knew they weren't going to make it out there alive, but they went anyway. Yeah. Okay? That's the guts that's been missing for 100 years in our church. And the reason Satan is laughing at us as he ushers in every abomination unto God. It's I'm jumping real quick on this. I, it makes yeah. me think about a letter that, that a friend of mine sent me years ago that was written by a man, and he sent it to his pastor. And I don't even know what denomination, if it was Catholic or another denomination. And the essence of the letter was summed up in one sentence. He said, get the Nancy pastors out of the pulpit. We meat eaters sitting in the pews need something to chew on. Nice. <laughs> and I, I just thought that that sums it up. We need the challenge. We need the truth. Just yep. like we want a Vince Lombardi type coach that makes the team great by pushing them and challenging them. But Vince Lombardi loved his players too. So it wasn't just yell at them. It was make them, oh, he did make it for them love. great. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was love was the reason he did it. Yeah, yeah exactly. You well, know, just, a, a, a father that doesn't love his children is like, yeah, I'll play the video games and I'll give you whatever you want, you know? Right, just, exactly. Yeah, just so there's peace or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, Father Jim, on the point of the title that, you know, you know, say, today's fallout of Satan's 100-year reign. So, you know, Father set it up so perfectly at the beginning. We had that, you know, Leo Thirteenth's, you know, uh, encounter years ago, that experience. And then Fatima begins and all that was unfolded in Father Regis Scanlon's article and we'll have links to that in the in the in the uh, information below the description, but we're talking about the lack of courage. Is would you say that a key part of the fallout that we're dealing with is that we've 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 just simply been kicked in the gut to the point where we're scared in many respects to even deal with words. I, I find that you know that sticks and stones may break your bones, but names or may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That old adage as a kid. And, and people are afraid of words. They're afraid of being called names, toxic masculinity, and so forth. And we've gone to the point, and I love what you said about men need to be men, women need to be women. But now this it's as if the devil has taken this confusion to the point where now the surgeries, the medical procedures, the mutilation to, to twist not only the effeminacy and the idea of just softening things up, now we're to the point where we're mutilating bodies and calling it healthcare. And, and, and we got to even, you know, realize that there are politicians that are putting things in place. There are, there are religious, I think a letter was signed by over 6,000 religious nuns to support, you know, this whole ideology, this whole twisted behavior within the church even. So, Father Jim, is this a, a major degree of the fallout? Is that we've lost the courage, and we're seeing this now grow to this level of of, of actual medical mutilation, and people are are many are so cowardly they won't speak out on this. Is that part of this fallout that we're seeing? It is. You know, remember that old saying, you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Right. And the church is, is now refusing to stand for Jesus Christ and the moral truth that flows naturally from the cross. We're refusing to stand for that. So we're falling for anything and everything. Right. And so uh, we're in the time of complete chaos. And I was interested as, as Father was speaking, Father Rick, that the connection between fatherhood and truth fatherhood and truth so that with a lessening of masculinity and fathering and leadership at the same time then there's a lessening of the proclamation of the truth there's an interesting connection there between the two and so yes we're in a time of satanic confusion and chaos and i i would want to say it can't get much worse but I even hesitate to say that because it just might. Mm. But what we need to do is every man and every woman that we need to take up our rosaries and every priest, the priest, we have to be praying our rosaries daily and at least one a day, if not four a day. But the rosary, Padre Pio said, it is the weapon. Yep. And you know, the rosary has within it a power to do anything. But it's the 11th promise to St. Dominic, the 11th promise of the rosary, 
Whatever you ask for through the rosary shall be given to you. And so in a particular way, for instance, when a priest gets up to give his Sunday homily, he would be, you know, well advised and happy to pray his rosary that morning, to ask the Virgin Mary to give him the words he needs and to open the heart of his listeners. And so there are remedies available. So instead of just, just reciting the problems which are, which are manifold, there is an answer. And it begins, I believe, with, with Mary's beads. As John Paul said, this is my favorite prayer, he said. And, you know, what more manly pope have we had, like in centuries, than Pope John Paul? And so I think we want to start focusing on this remedy here, that the rosary is a simple way for all of us to begin, to restore masculinity and courage to the men, and to restore femininity and trust to the women, and to preserve our children in virginity and chastity. So I just want to put out that call to everyone listening. Let's take up our rosaries. Yeah. If you're praying one a day, start praying two. If you're praying three, start praying four. We need to up it because it feels as if the battle is about to go into overdrive any day now into overdrive. Mm -hmm. I would be glad to share with you, Doug and Father, one of the visions I received two years ago. I know I mentioned to you before the show. Yes, please. Yes, I please. mentioned it a tiny bit. Um, I was in, let me see, I won't mention the state on purpose, but I was in, let's say, the northeastern part of the United States of America. And I had been preaching in, in one of those states, and I had 24 hours off before I had to travel again. So I had a deacon friend of mine take me to a monastery nearby, out in the woods, to have 24 hours of quiet prayer. We took a rosary walk together about in the afternoon on my day there. Uh, through miles and miles of trails. This was about two years ago. And I will never forget what happened. Of course, I, I, I am uh, used to uh, supernatural phenomena and, and miracles, but this was of a different dimension, what occurred. As we finished our first rosary out of the woods, we came to a clearing in, in the middle of the woods. It was a giant clearing, like 50 or 60 feet wide. It leaves for the power lines to go through the forest from one city to another. We were out in the middle of the forest, this giant clearing. We finished our first rosary, and I stopped, and I heard a sound, and I turned to my right. And I know this is going to sound incredible, and this is not meant to scare anybody, but maybe to alert everybody who hears this. I've never shared this publicly, only with a few personal friends. And I want to share it now just because I think that it's serious enough to warrant at least praying about when I turned to my right, I heard the sound of something moving. We were the only two people out there in the clearing, in the woods. And I saw to my right an army in the woods. I saw them like 3D. And they were not Americans. They were coming from another country. And I saw them marching. They were, to be honest with you, they were Oriental. Let me just leave it th at that for now. They were Oriental men. They all had battle fatigues on and rifles. A huge army was marching across the field. They came so close, they almost stepped on my toes as they walked by. They couldn't see me, but I could see them. And I realized, as we were praying our rosary, that the Blessed Virgin was showing me, this is what is about to happen, unless everything changes in our country. For instance, we had to stop killing our unborn children and never call ourselves Catholic and support abortion. That's a satanic lie. We have to stop killing our children for one thing and stop mutilating them for another. Well, this army marched right by me. I saw them, Our Lady maybe see, this was about to happen in America's future very soon. This was two years ago. We continued our rosary walk. I share with the deacon what happened. He himself received another vision. We continued our walk. We were praying for this country. We went to another part of the trails, about another half hour down, finished the second rosary. We were looking at something in the woods. There was a crucifix there. It was beautiful. Right? I heard the sound of marching again. Now, we're the only two men out there. I turned to my right, and there is another army from another country. And maybe I, I can just say this out loud. They were Russian. It was a Russian soldiers were marching from the other direction towards us, 
hundreds of Russian soldiers in battle fatigue and rifles. They couldn't see us, but I could see them. Again, we had to step back as they marched by. And Our Lady made me see, this is about to happen in the near future, unless your country repents. So I want to share this um, first time publicly, not to scare anybody. Uh, this is, you might say, a military prophecy. But God cannot protect a country that slaughters and murders its children. Mm. He cannot. Then God would not be God. He would be going against himself. God is a God of justice and integrity. Besides the fact he's a God of love, of charity. And so the times we're living in, we must take up our rosaries now. That's the easiest and best thing that all of us can do. And by the way, I have Protestant friends who pray the rosary every day. Hmm. All of us can pray the rosary. And if you're atheist and you're watching this, I love you and God loves you. Get a rosary and pray it too. Because yes. you'll help to save this country. But that is our spiritual weapon. We're in very dangerous times. Very dangerous times. And as Doug pointed out, this is two years ago. Now, what has happened in the last few months? Russia and China have made an alliance and their two leaders. Right. I saw these two armies, one half hour after the other, marching through our country. So we are in trouble. If we do not wake up, if we don't listen to the, to the prophecies, the approved prophecies like at Fatima, if we don't listen to them and respond, then God has no other choice than to wake us up physically through a chastisement. So I think this is what we're all sensing. Something big is on the way. And I would think, you know, it has to happen. How many more innocent babies do we have to murder before God intervenes? How many more? We've already killed more than 65 million in this country alone. Alone in this country. Yeah. And so, brothers and sisters, let's take up our rosies with your Catholic or Protestant or atheist. Let's take up our rosies and pray and ask God to give to our nation the holy gift of repentance. It's a holy gift. Where would I be without repentance? If we couldn't repent, we could never be saved. So repentance is a holy gift, a high gift from heaven. I desire this gift. So I can go to confession sincerely every week. But go as, as frequently as you can. Our nation must repent. And the only answer is prayer and sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Prayer and some form of sacrifice, like fasting right. on bread and water on Fridays. Yep. Father, I, I, if I could jump in on something here, too. Um, going back to Fatima, the Blessed Mother made it abundantly clear. And I, it, I know a lot of people don't look at World War II this way, but it was a prophesied chastisement. She made it clear on July 13th, 1917, that if man did not stop offending her son, there would be a second war, and it would be more terrible than the first World War that they were in the midst of, near the end of it in, in 1917. It ended in 1918. And so World War II, we were told, was going to come if we didn't stop offending God. That was the, that was the linchpin right there. But what she said about this was, if you want to bring peace to the world and avert war, it was prayer and sacrifice, specifically the rosary, that the rosary could avert war and bring peace to the world. It's not as if she said it in a suggestive mode, like, hey, here's something you might want to try. She said it as if this is what you need to do. And, and, and I think people miss that point that she made it very clear. It's not complicated for the average, it, anybody out there, Catholic, non-Catholic, praying the rosary, we can all do. The Pope's not going to listen to me. The president's not going to listen to me. But God does listen when we pray our rosaries. And I think that's just such an incredibly important thing. Now, I wanted to bring this point in too, because as we talked about uh, before the show, before we started recording, I, I, you know, I, I mentioned something to you to get your opinion on. And, and, you know, Father Heilman asked if we would share this, and I, I'll share my situation too. The miracle that was so prominent, there were many, of course, in Fatima, but it was so prominent was the miracle of the sun on October 13th, 1917. And as Father Heilman mentioned at the beginning of this uh, episode, so many things have been happening on the 13th of October, periodically throughout history, throughout the last hundred years or so. We've had key things that have happened around the 13th of October. 
Um, Akita, Japan, October 13th, the apparition and Our Lady said that fire would fall from the sky and cardinals would oppose cardinals and priests, bishops against bishops and just the whole devastation of that. We're seeing everything of July of, excuse me, October 13th, 1973 has happened except the fire falling from the sky. Everything else is, is has unfolded and is unfolding right now. The miracle of the sun. Now you've said, Father Jim, because of your line of work and you're all over the place doing this in, you know, deliverance ministry and so forth. There are many people that are seeing the miracle of the sun today, correct? Hundreds and hundreds. Okay. I and saw it to be just this weekend that they saw it. Okay. And I have made mention very, very infrequently that I've been seeing the miracle of the sun for probably 25 years. Um and for many years, it was very, very, maybe once a year, once in a while. And then over time, it was maybe every three to six months or so. And, you know, just periodic. In the last three to four months, I've been seeing the sun probably at least every week. And in the last, I'd say, month or two, several times a week. And it's been different too this time. And I know some people listening and watching who have been who have been seeing the sun. You know, it's it, many people have told me when I have talked to others and asked if they've seen it, not telling them that I have. They'll describe it as a perfect disc that covers the sun. It seems to vibrate perfectly, and there's like a, a, an intense energy around the outer edge. And I would always say every time I've seen it is if you've moved that disc away it would immediately blind you. It's that intense, but that when that disc is covering it, you can look at it. And I've heard people say they're seeing images like a cross on the disc. They're seeing maybe the, the um, colors coming off. And I've seen colors coming off of the sun many, many times. And my question to you, Father Jim is the frequency has increased for me. The colors have changed. They would normally be yellow or gold or maybe a pink or a blue, a light blue. Now I'm seeing regularly red coming off of the sun. Um, and and uh, sometimes it will, it, it's, it just comes off in, in sporadic ways. But one time recently it came off the sun and just came straight down and bumped the earth and bounced back up. Your comment to me before we started to record uh, help put it in perspective for me that the frequency has increased tremendously, the intensity, and even the feeling. In the past, it was normally a consoling feeling. Lately, in these last several months, it's been an ominous, heavier feeling of something more imminent. Um, expectation, I think you used the word earlier, that something is coming. Now, that's all I can say about it. I'm not getting any words regarding it specifically, but could you comment on what I just described and what you know in relation to others that you've talked with who've seen the sun or miracles like this? Well, it does seem to be a phenomenon a phenomenon that's occurring all over the world, especially at Medjugorje. It's happening at Garamandal. It's happening at Fatima. It's happening in my own community in Georgia. Mm. And just this weekend in Indiana, several people witnessed to me how they've been seeing this miracle frequently and more frequently than usual. Mm. Okay. So the good Lord, you know, he speaks to us in a variety of ways. God is very creative and God can speak to us through words and through images. And by the way, he can also speak to us through mathematics or rhythm. And so this speeding up of uh, this greater frequency of these apparitions or these this phenomena it, there's something about it that in itself is God speaking. So let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. None of this is happening by accident. It's all appears to be supernatural. The interesting thing is that it's happening to many very, very faithful men and women, priests, religious and laity and teenagers. So God speaks to us through words and through images, but also through timing, through time. God actually moves liturgically. So here, I mean, it's very obvious, even a child could figure it out. It's like you hear a drum beat, you know, and you hear like a tap, 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 and then tap, 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 and then tap, 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 tap. It, when you're watching a movie, you start sitting up in your chair when that music gets to a certain intensity. Mm -hmm. 
that's what's happening now around the world. It's a very childlike way of God speaking. And I think it's a way for him to get our attention without scaring us too much. Mm. But indeed, it seems that God is saying the time is around the corner. It's around the corner. And some would say, well, you know, why? But what I would say is just look at one murdered baby. Just look at one. To me, God should should throw all the these constellations out of their orbit for one dead baby. Mm-hmm. And now we have 65 million, unbelievable in our country alone, and so many other things that are occurring right now. Even I mentioned this for in a second how what's happening to our food supply, mm-hmm. there's food processing plants around the country. And even in, in certain southern states where I am, where the chicken feed that even some of my friends were buying for their chickens, because we had raised our own eggs, the chickens stopped laying eggs. Mm-hmm. And it was the chicken feed coming from a certain company that we found out was owned by certain multi-millionaire elites. When we switched chicken feed, the chickens began laying eggs again. What in the world is going, even our food supply and even the, uh, the air around us is being affected in many different ways. And so things are coming to a crescendo all over the world. Mm. And it seems as if Satan, like, he's afraid of losing his grasp, that he is, is reaching, like, desperately for his last chance to crush the church and, and every God-loving man or woman, every innocent man or woman or child, that he's going for his last plunge because he knows the prophecies too, and he will lose. And he's so egotistical, it doesn't stop him. But it has that feeling of desperation, of a satanic desperation. And you know, a man who's desperate, especially if he has a gun in his hand, you better be careful. Mm-hmm. If you have a desperate man in front of you with a gun or a knife, you yeah. better be careful. That's what we're dealing with now on a worldwide level. This desperation, I believe, of Satan himself working through certain elites. Mm. So I think, yes, Doug, that the Lord is speaking to you. And even the color red is, you know, it matches with the kita. Even that's very telling. Mm. I don't think God is trying to scare us, you know, say in the wrong way. Right. It'd be just like my, my dad or mom telling me when I was growing up, like, and then Jimmy, if you touch that one more time, you're going to get it. Yeah. Now, yeah. it didn't scare me in the wrong way. It scared me in the right way. Uh, once, though, I disobeyed my mother when I was a little boy, and I was fascinated with the burners on the stove. They were so pretty, and they would light up that bright orange. I thought they were beautiful, and my mother said, Jimmy, now don't touch it. Stay away from it, and so I did, and the next night, same thing. She saw me, like, getting closer and closer to it. She said, Jimmy, now don't touch that. It's going to hurt, and I remember the third night, mom was the other way, and I went into the kitchen, and in my six-year-old wisdom, I said, mom doesn't know. I know better than mom. And I touched the burner, and I howled like you never heard a child mm. howl. I burned my fingers bad. And my mom turned around, and she wasn't mad at me, but she brought me to the sink immediately and put water and ice all over my fingers. Boy, did I learn a big lesson that day. Mm-hmm. God is warning the world. He's warning the United States of America. He's warning the European Union, too, by the way. He's warning the church. He's been giving out a lot of warnings, and we're not listening. We're putting out our little hands, and we're touching things that are going to burn us mm. right now, about to burn us. So I, I think, Doug, that you're onto something, and it's not just priests. It's religious and many lay people and even children that are receiving these messages. Mm. We need to wake up. It is very, very, very serious. One of the things I noticed uh, is the generosity seems to have ramped up of God, the Holy Spirit. And like a a real quick story of mine was um, on the anniversary of my mom's death, uh, the day after that, I asked mom to join with me in a five-day fast for my sister who was uh, stricken with cancer, pretty bad form. And on day five, long story short, uh, the text messages were shared between my brothers and sisters. She's in remission. And so it's, it's praise God. The other thing too, is that there's just things percolating that uh, efforts to stand against this. I can't go into it right now, but it's very, very exciting. 
But again, the generosity, it's just like, like things are being handed on a silver platter uh, for those who uh, are trying, are willing and trying their best to uh, to do what God has given them and is willing to give uh, to 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 uh, right this ship, to get get us back, to get the light of the world out there. And, and so I've just been struck by the generosity of of the Holy Spirit during this time. And now we're just a few days away from Pentecost, Father. And I, I think our time is is coming to an end here, but uh, we're just a few d uh, days away from Pentecost here. And I, I just I, I have the same feeling, and I think a lot of our our listeners are who are watching right now have the same exact feeling as well that that something is coming but the power of god is greater than the power of satan and so let's believe and let's call out and let's hope and so father could you uh end us with a, a prayer please sure um i first i'm going to pray the unity prayer for us it's from the approved flame of love movement because it has that power to blind and paralyze evil spirits. Nice. And I'm one of several exorcists around the world who've experienced this, where we use this prayer and somebody was set free from satanic oppression or possession in front of us in one minute. Mm. Not the only priest to experience this, but I believe every priest and every Catholic family should be saying this prayer. God gives us the weapons and the gifts we need when we need them. So now in this time of great satanic invasion, we need this beautiful prayer to protect every Catholic and Christian family that's watching. And so I'll say this now, and you might want to listen to me, and I know Doug, you can put up on the screen later, maybe. Sure. We used it last time, we'll use it again. It's so efficacious. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. The unity prayer. My adorable Jesus, may our feet journey together. May our hands gather in unity. May our hearts beat in unison. May our souls be in harmony. May our thoughts be as one. May our ears listen to the silence together. May our glances profoundly penetrate each other. May our lips pray together to gain mercy from the eternal Father. Amen. Amen. May God bless everyone watching this broadcast and bring everyone safely to eternal life. And I want to say something, you know, kind of radical. May God give us joy. Yes. It's, with you. it's fun to be a warrior. Amen, brother. Mm -hmm. We're to be yes. happy warriors. Amen. We are blessed to live in this time. And yep. just, just pray as many as possible will be saved. Pray the wisdom of the children. Yes. All to be childlike. Yep. Yes. It, this is a glorious time to be alive. And if you don't have that sense, just ask for it. Ask the Virgin Mary. Mama, give me your joy. I want your faith, your hope, your love, and your joy. This is a glorious time to be alive. And I've noticed this too, that when my prayers are joyful, they're more powerful. Yep. My prayers are sad and depressed. They barely go beyond the ceiling. Yep. When my prayers are joyful, they penetrate heaven within seconds. Nice. <laughs> so we need holy joy. This is a great time to be alive. And the more joyful we are, the more souls God will save through our yep. prayers. Amen, Father. Thanks be to God. Like my dad used to say, thank God for God. Thank <laughs> God for God. Amen. Amen. Now, I'll give a little blessing. Is that okay, brothers? Yes, please. Yes. May the beautiful God, unutterably beautiful, be your closest friend and your only guide. And may he, through Mary, lead you and I through this storm to victory. May he heal and restore the human race and raise up his one true Catholic Church to the golden era that was prophesied by the fathers of the church. May the church radiate the complete purity and perfection of God himself soon. And may every man and woman on the earth proclaim the name of Jesus with love and faith. I bless everyone watching with joy and with victory. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we love you, God. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so thank much, you Father. So this much, was, Father. again, great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you, brothers. Hope in the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, flame of love.